Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thanks for listening to The Baptist Pulpit. And our classic speaker from the past is Oliver B. Green. From Disgrace to Grace is a title that Oliver B. Green said of himself. He was born on February 14, 1915 in Greenville, South Carolina. His youth was filled with wanton wickedness, drinking, stealing, bootlegging, immorality. He was a veteran of all those vices, as he would describe it. But at the age of 20, God saved that wayward youth when he attended a revival meeting. His attempt, his reason for going to the revival meeting was just to date a pure country girl, as he says, but he heard a sermon on the wages of sin is death. That night he was convicted and converted. He got a good dose of salvation. Five months later, God called Oliver B. Green to preach. To prepare for this, he attended North Greenville Baptist College. In 1939, at 24 years of age, he bought a tent And for 35 years, he conducted revivals all across America until failing health forced him to stop. Another aspect of Dr. Green's ministry was his radio ministry, which grew from one station in 1939 to over 180 stations at his death. It was known as the Gospel Hour and still can be heard on some stations, Christian stations today. Dr. Green was called home to be with the Lord on July 26th 1976. Ah, disgrace to grace, a fitting appraisal as well, a fitting epitaph for a great man of the gospel, Dr. Oliver B. Green. Pray that this message was a series, a series of messages on the wrong of worry, and you'll see this is message number five. Pray that you appreciate it, and it helps you today as you listen to the Baptist pulpit. Have your Bibles open at 2 Corinthians 12. And after I pray, we'll continue studying where we left off yesterday. We are now discussing faith versus worry. Lead us, our Father, in the name of Jesus. Direct us, O God. May thy will be done today as the message is delivered. Help me. I commit myself, soul, spirit, and body to thee. And I pray that you'll take full control of my heart, my mind, my body, and use this unworthy vessel to bring glory and honor to Jesus. He's worthy of all of our praise, our worship, our adoration. It is in, it is in his name and his name alone that we live and pray and preach for his sake. Amen. I read yesterday chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, and I read down through verse, well, 10, I believe, yesterday. 
Now, I did not finish, I did not say all that I would like to say about these verses. We're studying faith versus worry. I said it's a sin to worry. I didn't say it, the Bible said it. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, that's in Romans 14, 23. God does not want his people to be anxious, and he does not want us to be uh, worrying. He wants us to trust and obey. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Jesus. Isaiah 26, 3. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13, 5. And Jesus said, or David said, Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now, Jesus provided, I said this and I'm saying it again, Jesus provided everything that the believer needs now, in the past, now, and in the future. By that I mean, in him we are complete. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, read it. And if we, or let me change that, since we are complete in Christ, and since Christ has provided all things, my God shall supply all your need, Paul said. Inspiration, of course, Holy Spirit speaking. My God shall supply all your need. Now, if that, since that is true, I keep saying if, and I don't want to say that. Since that is true, then we should trust and obey, and we should not worry, and we should not fret. Now, listen to this. I'm not going to read it because it takes time, and I want you to read it again, and, and I, I want you to memorize it, if you will. Paul said, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the body, out of body, I don't know, but he said this man was caught up into the third heaven, into paradise, and he heard words that are against the Lord to speak, and he said, uh, uh, such a fellow was caught up into the third heaven, right into paradise. And then he said, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord, the Lord thrice, that's three times, that he might depart from me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am I strong. When I am weak, I am strong. Now, with that in mind, I said yesterday some of the most cutting and some of the ugliest letters I've ever received. 38 years I've been on radio, I've been letters concerning my health. And they've said something like this, Mr. Green, why don't you get healed? Why aren't you healed? Why doesn't God heal you? Now, I'm not asking God that. You go ahead and ask him. I'm not going to ask him. Because I've prayed, and the best, I say the best, some of the best, not all, but some of the best, Christians on the face of God's earth have prayed for me many, many times that I would be completely healed and completely delivered from my bodily handicaps and infirmities. God has not seen fit to do it, and I'm telling you, beloved, I'm not asking him why. I'm trusting him to show me the path that he wants me to take. I'm trusting him to show me what he wants me to do. I'm trusting him to lead me step by step, and I'm not asking God why. In other words, I know, and I don't need to ask why. 
I know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's why I'm not asking. I know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And I know I love God, and I know God called me to preach his word. Now, some of you saints out there have been hurt deeply, and you've been, uh, you have been crushed by some of the things that some people have said to you, and they've come to you, and they've prayed for you, and you were not healed, and they said to you, you don't have enough faith. Now, that's ignorance on their part. Don't you worry. You just mark that down to ignorance and just love God and live for God and let those people go on and fret not thyself. Just let them go and mark it down to ignorance. Now, Paul said, I glory in mine infirmities. Now, let me show you something. The only man that can glory in an infirmity. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, maybe you have had a stroke. Maybe you are perfect on one side of your body, but the other side is weak. And maybe it shakes or trembles, or maybe you can't lift up one arm, or maybe you, you, one of your legs, you, you can't stand on it, but the other leg is strong, the other arm is strong. Well, you have an infirmity. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're almost blind. At one time you had perfect eyesight, 20-20 vision, and now you can hardly read. You must have a very large Bible that is print in your Bible to read your Bible, and that's an infirmity. Well, now how on earth could I praise God? How on earth could I say, glory to God, I'm almost blind? How can I do that? How on earth could I say, hallelujah, I'm paralyzed on one side? How? You want me to tell you how? I'll tell you how. And there are people who do that. And there are people who can do that. And I know some of you may be sniggering. That's right. You go ahead and snigger. You just don't know your Bible. Paul said, I glory. Let me see if I read that correctly. Did I read that right? Let's see here. Let's see where he's at. And he said, uh, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Then up here, let's see. And lest I should be exalted above measure, I, uh, I was given a thorn in the flesh, the message of Satan. For this cause I besought the Lord three times in my departure. He said, my grace is sufficient. And then he goes on down. He said, uh, now let me read this. I, I'm going too fast. I'm going to, I said, I asked rather, did I read that correctly? Did I say, did I say that there are people and have been people and are today who can say, hallelujah, I'm almost blind. Hallelujah, I'm paralyzed on one side. Can, that sounds so absurd to people who don't understand. Let me show you. Listen now. And he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory. Most gladly, therefore, not just ordinary glory, but a, a happy, glad glory. Now, you hear this. He said, Therefore will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, you want me to tell you how you can glory in your infirmity or plural infirmities if you have more than one, you want me to tell you how you can glory in them? I tell you how. If you have prayed for God to deliver you, if you've prayed for God to heal you, if you have prayed for God to give you a sound body, but God has not done it, and you know that you're saved, and you know that as far as it's humanly possible, 
You're living in the will of God, I mean by that. You're not out here uh, serving the devil. You're not out here uh, befriending the enemies of the gospel. You know that you are as far as it's possible in the will of God, and you've prayed, and you've asked God to heal you and deliver you, and your friends have, but God has not done it, then you thank God for your infirmity because God allows you to have that infirmity or plural infirmities so that God's power can rest upon you and God can use you. And let me say this, beloved. Now, you listen to me. You listen to me now. And I, I'm, I'm not a, a kid, I'm not a teenager, and I'm not a young man. I'm almost 60 years old. Now, I've been, I've been around, I've been preaching 28 year, uh, 38 years. 38 years I've been preaching. Now listen, up until just a few years ago, I was so busy preaching, so busy going. Did you know that I closed a meeting in Niagara Falls, New York one night and I didn't get away from the church till midnight and I started another revival in Brother Hall's church in Newport News Monday night, drove all night long, all night long. And back then we didn't have super highways like we have interstate roads like we have now. And I drove all night long. And did you know that in Portsmouth, Virginia, I drove the big truck, the big trailer truck, tractor trailer, all night long moving seats from the tent in Portsmouth over to the Norfolk side. And some of you remember it, and some of you were there with me the night we tore the tent down and moved it and then started another revival immediately. Now listen, I was so busy preaching, I was so busy going, I was so busy putting up and taking down tents, I was so busy, I didn't have time to study, I didn't have time to pray. And what I accomplished then, it had to be of the Lord, I mean by that, he had to give me Certainly everything I said and he he had to had to speak to me in the pulpit because I didn't have any time to let him speak to me in the prayer closet I didn't have any time to let him speak to me But you know back yonder one day he stopped me and back then I had not written a commentary not one Today we have 57 hardback books and they have gone out To the tune of several million to the ends of the earth and I have preached to more people through those books than I'll ever speak to on the radio. Now, don't you worry about my infirmities. Don't you fret about my infirmities. I glory, and I say, hallelujah, God, for what you've done to me to stop me and let me live a little, even though I don't have the joy of shaking hands with people and fellowshipping with people. The tent was the joy of my life. But God took it away from me that the power of God might rest upon me, that I might prepare commentaries and publish them and send them out to young ministers and Christian schools and around the world they've gone. In the soul-winning books one of these days, I hope I can add up the figure and get the printing tickets to prove it. We have mailed these little 32-page soul-winning books. Brother, they've gone to the ends of this earth. I mean, brother, they've circled the globe. And we've had tens of thousands, tens of thousands saved 
through these books. I, one day, I don't remember what day it was, I said one of the greatest meetings we ever had was the last one in Bel Air. That's the last real tent meeting we had. We had the tent up one week in Lynchburg, Virginia, but I'm talking about a, a full week. We always, we always stayed in the tent four weeks. And when I first started, our longest meeting was in Winder, Georgia. We were there 13 weeks in Winder, and some folks came in this office the other day that attended those meetings. Think of it, 13 weeks in Wanda, Georgia. And then the last meeting that I did in the tent was, I believe, oh, four or five years ago now in Bel Air, Maryland. And it was one of the greatest, that is, from the standpoint of crowds, we had that tent packed. Preachers came, many preachers, churches behind us. We had a tremendous meeting, but we had the least number of conversions in that meeting. I suppose we had about as few as any tent meeting that I ever conducted. Now listen, I love Christians, I love to feed Christians, I love to help Christians, but I'm an evangelist, and the tent meetings were drawing tens of thousands of Christians, but the sinners were staying at home watching television, going to the movies, and going to the beach, of course, in the summertime, and the sinners were not coming. Christians were coming. They were packing the tent, but sinners were not coming. And so, you see, God knows what he's doing. I wouldn't quit. I'd still be in the tent today. I'd be in that tent today if God had not stopped me. Now, you don't you fret about me. You just pray for me. I need your prayers. Oh, yes, I need your prayers. Yes, indeed, I do. I need your prayers. Indeed, I do. And I want you to pray for me, but don't fret. Don't worry, because I'm glorying in what God has done for me and to me. Paul said most gladly, therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to tell you something. Some of these godly mothers and godly daddies, some of these godly grandmothers and granddaddies in wheelchairs and upon hospital beds are getting more people saved than some preachers in pulpits and some preachers on the radio. They're winning more souls to God on their hospital bed and in their wheelchair than some preachers are winning. So listen, let me tell you something. Don't you ever put your finger in any Christian's face and say, you could get out of that wheelchair if you had the faith. Now, if it's God's will for them to get out of that wheelchair, they can get out. But if God can get more glory out of that life in a wheelchair than out of the wheelchair, then let's leave them where God put them. And let's not fret, but let's glory. Now, the only person that can understand the kind of preaching I've done today is a born-again child of God. A sinner can't understand it. Backslider can't understand it. A worldly-minded believer can't understand it. You must be spiritually-minded to understand what I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul suffered as no man, I believe, as no man except Jesus. And you'll find in 2 Timothy where he said, I'm about to be martyred. I've come to the end of the way. I've run my race, and they're going to chop my head off. But he said, I fought a good fight, finished the course, and... I'm not worried, I'm not fretting, there's a crown waiting. And he said, now bring me the coat, bring me my coat, it's getting cold over here in Rome. Bring me my coat, bring me the books, I want to do a little reading, bring me the books, bring me the parchment. And he said, I left my friend sick over here, and you 
come quickly, come to see me because winter is coming. Hallelujah to God. All things, for we know that all things work together for good to them, love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you fret? Do you worry? Are you upset about why and asking why, why, why? Said a robin to a sparrow, friend, I'd really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so, said the sparrow to the robin, friend. I think that it must be they have no heavenly father, such as care for you and me. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Baptist Pulpit.